recording in 1543 of a young choir boy in a church in Shakespeare's hometown of Stratford-upon-Avon. Beautiful. Hello and welcome back to the final couplet. Episode 2. Thanks for listening to one. I think it was a real roller coaster. I, for one, learned a lot about William Shakespeare and, indeed, about the recipient of his first sonnet, who we deduced was a young, gorgeous man called John. I have a feeling that today's episode, the sonnet will be even juicier. Can you guess which sonnet we're going to look at next? What comes after one? That's right, (laughs) it's two. As usual, I'm going to read it in its raw, unedited form. We're going to break it down. I'm going to give it a little bit of context. And then I'll sort of give it a reading in my own words of what I think it means. Let's take a listen, shall we? Sonnet 2 by William Shakespeare When forty winters shall besiege thy brow And dig deep trenches in thy beauty's field Thy youth's proud livery, so gazed on now Will be a tattered weed of small worth held Then being asked where all thy beauty lies Where all the treasure of thy lusty days To say within thine own deep sunken eyes Were an all-eating shame and thriftless praise. How much more praise deserved thy beauty's use If thou couldst answer, This fair child of mine shall sum my count And make my old excuse, Proving his beauty by succession thine. This were to be new made when thou art old, And see thy blood warm, when thou feel'st it cold. Well, well, well. Sonnet too. I feel as if I'm getting a little bit of deja vu here. Because it's a hell of a lot like Sonnet 1, isn't it? I think he's just being much more brutal and direct to poor old John here. It's sort of as if he's gone away and gone, oh no, Sonnet 1 didn't really work. It didn't land. John just sort of had a glazed over expression and he knew Sonnet 1, not his best work. So he's gone back to the drawing board and written Sonnet 2 and gone, I'm going to be much harsher here. I don't think I went in quite enough on the last one. I don't think I told him how ugly he is going to be in the future. That's what Sonnet 2 
seems to be about for me. Let's have a look at each line and see what they mean. So when forty winters shall besiege thy brow and dig deep trenches in thy beauty's field. When forty winters, that's Shakespeare's way of saying forty years, just a bit more, just a little bit more poetic, isn't it? Uh, and winter's a bit harsher than summer, isn't it? It's not, you know, summer's a bit lighter. Winter's like, it's, you know, it's been 40 long old years. Long, cold, depressing years. Shall besiege thy brow, so they will just ingrain themselves into your forehead. And dig deep trenches in thy beauty's field. So sort of go in those 40 years they are going to make you one hell of a wrinkly guy 40 years old not that old but i guess back then you're really going to be getting on at 40 you're gonna have deep trenches in your forehead it's quite a harsh opening couple of lines isn't it but I guess, you know, we're all expected to have wrinkles. So maybe just stating the facts, really. So he's saying when you're 40, you're going to have a wrinkly forehead. And then thy youth's proud livery, so gazed on now, will be a tattered weed of small worth held. So there he really is going in. So the first is sort of, you know, you get wrinkly forehead when you're 40. We all do. But he's saying, this is you. So everything you're proud of in your looks now, and there's a lot to be proud of. As I've said before many times in Sonnet 1, you are very good looking. And everyone knows it. Everyone looks at you. Everyone says, oh, he is, he's, he's, he's lovely. Will be a tattered weed of small worth held. So everything you have now, in 10, 20 years, it'll, you'll be disgusting. You'll be hideous. Then being asked where all thy beauty lies, where all the treasure of thy lusty days, to say within thine own deep sunken eyes were an all-eating shame and thriftless praise. So here he's saying, when someone asks you, where is your, you know, your youthful beauty? Where is it now? All you'll be able to say is, it's in my eyes. And your eyes are sunken, pathetic, sad, wrinkled little raisins. So that is not worth saying. And actually, quite frankly, embarrassing. How much more praise deserved thy beauty's use if thou couldst answer 
This fair child of mine shall sum my count and make my old excuse, proving his beauty by succession thine. And here we are again, back with Sonnet 1. So here he's saying, wouldn't it be way better if you could say, look, I'll tell you where my beauty lies. It's with this lovely little kid. Isn't he beautiful? And that will make you feel so much better than saying it's in your sad little eyes. To say it's it's in your kid. Now there is something to be proud of. And then finally, you know, the final couplet. There were to be new made when thou art old, and see thy blood warm when thou feelst it cold. Bit of a mouthful at the end there, isn't it? Feelst it cold. Anyway, for me, again, summing it up, saying new made. So there you'll have your kid when you're old. It will warm the cockles of your cold, dead heart. To say that you have a lovely kid. And I think that's really the meaning, isn't it? Again, pretty much exactly the same as Sonnet 1's meaning, but I would say much more heavy-handed, much crueler. Shakespeare really showing his his dark side here, isn't he? And I think for me, it makes me question what his relationship with John is. Is he just a mate? Or is this extreme jealousy of John and his good looks and his lack of children something more right let's give some context to this let's set the scene we must start where we left off with Sonnet 1 which was in the pub with John Shakespeare's just read Sonnet 1 to John and it was not received how he thought it was going to be received. In his head, he imagined that John would go, yes, uh uh-huh, finally, I get it, I need to have a kid thank you so much Shakespeare for making this so clear to me with your beautiful words but really what happened was John went "Uh okay and he made an excuse to leave quite swiftly after that leaving Shakespeare on his own in the nag's head to think 
about the failure of his first ever sonnet. Shakespeare picks up his coat and leaves the pub dejectedly. He walks along the bank of the Thames, pulling out Sonnet One as he walks. He rips it up and chucks it into the Thames as a tear rolls down his cheek. I know what you're thinking. If he ripped up Sonnet One, how was it published? And that's a fair question. And the answer is, he always wrote two of the same sonnet. In case his emotions got the better of him. So that's cleared that up. He gets home. His wife's asleep. He says, don't disturb me. And she says, what? He said, don't disturb me. And she said, I was asleep. He says, yeah, good, stay asleep. And he goes up to his writing desk and he pens Sonnet 2. A few months later, he plucks up the courage to read Sonnet 2 to John. He sends word to meet him at the nag's head later that night. On receiving the letter, John feels not great, but he thinks maybe he's realised that Sonnet 1 was a very weird vibe and he wants to apologise. So he agrees to meet him. At 9pm, Shakespeare walks in to the nag's head. John's already there, two pints of mead on the table. Shakespeare walks over to the table. John goes to speak. Shakespeare says, no, uh, uh, no. don't speak. Just listen. he pulls out Sonnet 2 from his back pocket, clears his throat <clears throat> and reads, when you're 40, you're going to have a wrinkly forehead, like you know when a plough goes over a field and leaves all those lines, it'll look like that. And although you are stunningly good looking now, and I can't emphasise that enough, you will soon look like someone's back garden when they haven't looked after it for ages. That is to say, you will look horrible. In a few years time, when people ask you where your looks have gone, all you'll be able to say is, 
my looks are in my eyes. But your eyes will be disgusting then, because they will be old. I think you'll agree that it would be much better to point to your kid and say, there's my beauty, it's my kid who looks just as hot as I did at that age. Basically, when you're old, don't you want to have a kid of your own to warm your cold, dying heart? Beautiful. And I really think he's come a long way since Sonnet 1. I think Sonnet 1 clearly didn't drive home quite how disgusting John would look as he aged. But this one is much more to the point. And I really, really respect Shakespeare for not holding any punches. Thanks for listening to Sonnet 2. And I'll leave you guessing which sonnet I'm going to look at next week. (laughs) Bye. Caro sacramentum